Good evening. I'm so glad you're, you're here with me this evening. And I want to continue my series on King David. My King, uh, King David's sin, the consequences of King David's sin. If you want to follow along, I hope you will. I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 12 again. So as, as you turn there, just remind you, there are so many wonderful things our church is about to do in order to, to be reopened. Some of them uh, is going to take a, a lot of work. And as a matter of fact, there, there might be some need for help, some physical labor to help us wipe things down and move things out. So if you are available for that, would you please be letting us know? Of course, we have council meeting on Tuesday night to make some big time decisions. So uh, uh, I, I hope you'll be praying for us that the decisions about our church and parking lot and things will uh, be led from God. So I'd like to read to you from 2 Samuel chapter 12, again, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came to him and he said, There were two men in one city, one rich man, one poor man. The rich man had a visitor. And the rich man had lots of flocks and sheep. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And, uh, but the rich man went and took the only lamb that the poor man had. And he used it to feed his, his, his uh, guest. And of course, David's anger was greatly kindled when he heard this. Verse 5, the man's against the man. And he said to Nathan... As the Lord lives, the man that has done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the man fourfold because he did this thing, because he had done this. And Nathan said to David, of course, you are the man. Now, this morning's, this evening's uh, message are on the consequences from David's sin his sin with Bathsheba and we we start that in verse 7 again thou art the man thus says the Lord God of Israel I anointed thee king over Israel and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul and I gave thee thy master's house thy master's wives I would given you even more verse 9 wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord Verse 9, the consequences, to do evil in the sight, in the sight of God. When you killed Uriah with the sword and you took his wife to be thy wife and have slain Uriah, now therefore the sword shall never depart, David, from thy house. One of the consequences. Because thou hast despised me intentionally, Broken the laws of God is called despising him here. Verse 12, for, verse 12, for thou hast done it secretly, but I will do this before all of Israel. Verse 13, of course, from this morning's message, 
I have sinned against the Lord. And the Lord said, and, and, and Nathan said, your sin has been forgiven. When our sins get forgiven, there's still consequences to them. When we do blatant things or when we have, when we have terrible temper tantrums, when we sin against our wives, our, our, children, our husbands, when we sin against them, we can ask forgiveness and maybe be granted it. But there are still physical, earthly consequences to our sins. Back in chapter 12, verse 10, Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Consequences. King David's first son to Bathsheba is to die. Verse 14, how be it, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. What a terrible consequence for his sin and in such an elevated position. The leader of all Israel, everything that, that he had, God took him from the, 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 the sheep, the shepherd fields and made him king. God gave him such skills and gifts and abilities and uh, he despised the word of the Lord and God, first thing he does is the child that Bathsheba was holding in her arms was to die, the young child. Now, I just want to say this. Years ago, 25, 30 years ago, I got a phone call in my then church office and it was a lady in our church that said her neighbor needs to see me. Bring her. So we sat down and the woman's, the neighbor's countenance, her face was like this. She just couldn't lift her chin off her chest. She was so broken and depressed and sad. She couldn't even speak. And the church member that brought her, her neighbor, explained what happened. She had just had her infant die. Just had the infant die, and it was a terrible death, and it happened in her arms, and oh, what a, what a horrible, horrible time in this woman's life. She then went to her church to talk to uh, the leader of her church. She asked the question, where did the, my, my child, my infant, go? at death and she was told nowhere not in heaven not in hell there is a place that some children go at a certain age this was a 
big scale church and that believed in infant baptism, child hadn't been baptized yet, it goes to nowhere. Just go home, forget about it. Forget about that child and soon try to have another. And he dismissed her out of his office. So now, her neighbor, a Christian lady, brings her to me and explains this to me in front of her. Her chin is still not left, her chest. The death of an of a baby is so traumatic. I'd like to read to you about this King David's baby. Second Samuel chapter 12, starting in verse 21. Then said King David's servants to him, What thing is this that you have done? You did fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, you, you did rise and you ate. So before the child died, David was fasting on his, on his face in prayer, asking for God to change his mind about this child's death. Verse 22, and King David said, King David's answer was, while the child was yet alive, I fasted. And wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? And then verse 23 on your screen, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. I said to this woman, Chin, still on her chest, probably not even hearing. I said, that means wherever King David is right now, that's where your child is. And her, her face jerked up and looked at me. My child is in heaven. Yes, your child is in heaven. Got the huge, biggest grin, so happy instantly. And she came around the desk too fast for me to fight her off and gave me the greatest hug. And I gave God the glory and she left. That verse, this story is in here for a reason. If not for you, sometimes there's people in our lives or neighborhoods or families or jobs that you can share this story with. What did it say? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What a joy. Of course, King David was in heaven, and that baby went to heaven. Back in verse, verse 10 again. The sword shall never depart from thy house. Wow. Well, First of all, Bathsheba's son dies. Secondly, though, in the next chapter of Scripture, King David's other son, Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, forced his stepsister, Tamar. Tamar's brother, Absalom, ordered 
Amnon to be killed, to be assassinated. What did it say? The sword shall not depart from thy house. King David's son Absalom, and if you think about Absalom, he was this man that had a lot of hair. He had a big head. And I'm not so sure he didn't have it. He didn't have it all spiraled up on top of his head or maybe have a ponytail. But Absalom Absalom is called a pretty boy with an ugly heart. He thought he would become king after David's death, after his father's death. So he rebel roused and got a crowd of people his age to support him and they tried to usurp David's kingship. David had a choice. David had a choice where he could call out the army and fight Absalom, and uh, he was afraid that Absalom would be killed in that, or maybe that he himself would have to kill his own son. So David ran. He went out the back door of the castle, and he went into the hills and the caves, and he, and he hid from having to take authority over Absalom. He didn't want to hurt Absalom, King David's son Absalom, a pretty boy with an ugly heart, tried to take the kingship from his father. David had to flee and hide in the caves. Verse 11, Thus thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Now wait, stop right there. There are consequences to our sins. We can do the most horrible, objectionable things and yet get God's forgiveness and be able to eventually move on. But it stains those around us. Our actions are losing the trust of our mates, losing the trust of our families, of our children. It stays there. Verse 11 again, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. Verse 12, For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. David your family is going to be a mess. Now, if, you're, if, if you know your Bible, you understand that David and Bathsheba had another son, and his name was Solomon. So after that, we, will, we see Solomon, and to me, it also means to me how much of a great mother Bathsheba was to Solomon. Well, for you did it secretly. Sometimes the sins we do secretly, we think we got away with. We don't get away with anything. We reap what we sow because he sees everything. Confess your sins. 
Repent of them. Yes. But understand that sometimes there are natural consequences. Verse 13 here. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. All sin is against the Lord. David sinned with Bathsheba. David sinned with her husband, having him killed. Those were sins against them, but it was ultimately all sin is against the Lord. And David, and David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. There is a scripture. I wanted you to realize that all sin is against God. There's so many scriptures we could point out. It would take weeks to talk about the omniscience of God. He knows everything. I wouldn't want to be him. I wouldn't want to know everything. But all sin is against God who is omniscient. He knows everything. And for me, that's a lot. For me, it works. For me, as long as God knows what's happening, I'm settled on it. The next thing there about our God, all sin is against God. He's omnipresent. What are you going to do when, what are you going to do when uh, you do something and God's at your side. There's been times when that can stop you. Omnipresent. Please, please consider that. Verse 13 again. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away thy sin, forgiven it. You shall not die for it. I love this verse. I love it for you and I. Psalms 32, 1. Blessed is he whose sin is forgiven. Now, sometimes the word blessed means happiest. So let's read it this way. Happiest is he whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Going back to 32, 1 again. Blessed, getting blessings from God. Because our sin has been forgiven. Verse 2 there, blessed, happiest, fruitful is the man to whom the Lord imputes not sin and whose spirit there is no guile. It is of great value to us to keep short accounts with God. Let not guilt accumulate on your conscience. Make it a point each night of confessing your day's worth of sins. Any great sin lying long on the conscience, unrepented of, only furthers our sinful nature and causes us to have a hardened heart. David learned what we all learn, that every sin is a terrible mistake, that we never get the satisfaction which we expected from that sin. There is pleasure in sin, but for a season. 
And after that, there are consequences. I found this about a man named Chrysos. I can't even say it right. Chrysostom. He was pastor of the church in Constantinople in the 4th century. 4th century A.D. He was a John the Baptist type. He would call out sin and call it and embarrass people for their sin. And uh, he had a bad relationship going with the emperor. The emperor Arcadius and his wife had, a, had very bitter feelings towards this Chrysostom. One day in a fit of rage, the emperor said to one of his wise counselors, I would like to be avenged of this pastor. How this should be done. One said, banish him and exile him. One said, put him in prison. One said, confiscate all his property. A third said, let him die. A fourth counselor who knew Chrysostom well said, you all make a great mistake. You will never punish him by such proposals. If you banished, if you banished him from the kingdom, he will feel God as near to him as in the desert as here. If you put him in prison and load him with chains, he will still pray for the poor and praise God in prison. If you confiscate his property, you merely take away his goods from the poor, not from him. If you condemn him to death, you open heaven to him. Then this wise counselor said, Prince, do you wish to be revenged of him? Force him to commit sin. My closing comment. Oh, that this were the only comment which our friends and enemies could say about you and me, that we would have to be forced to commit sin. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, oh God, we need your help. We make mistakes, we commit sins. We need your help, Lord. First of all, give us mechanisms in our life such as the presence, your presence with us. That, give us something, Lord, that would help us to break our sinful patterns in life, our habits, Lord. Helping us, dear Lord, to, oh God, please help us to break our sinful habits. Oh God, I, I wish I could pray for all of this. I can pray this, I am so sorry for those things that I might do, those things that I might commit. I just don't want to, though. 
Help me, Lord. Give me wisdom and strength. Help us, Lord. Give us wisdom and strength that we not have these natural consequences that would have such a lifelong effect upon our children. Lifelong effect upon our family and friends. Lord, please give us wisdom and strength to keep us from the bad consequences of sin. Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't feel that power, that strength, doesn't have access to it, but they need your help, let tonight be the night that they come to you, giving their life to you, accepting you as Lord and Savior, knowing that you died on the cross, for the very sins they struggle with. Lord, forgive me, they would say. Forgive me, a sinner. And help me, Lord, to make the changes, repenting. Make the changes in our life, in my life, Lord, that need to be made that I might, that we might live holy lives. I give my life, they might say, I give my marriage and family to you, Lord, to you. And I hope we don't say it flippantly, Lord, that we truly mean it, that we want to serve you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.